Welcome to the Crew 3 Podcast. Most rugby leagues always are my co-host, Chris. And that's it. Man, the opening. It that, gets was that was good. That was a good one. It gets better every time. You you do the cadence, but like a murloc, you know, uh-huh. from, from the old world. Yeah, of Warcraft, you know? yeah. <laughs> that was that just rolled. I, I, I don't even know what I said that time. It was great. You could I, did, just, I didn't say words. Into another dimension, you know. That's right. Mm-hmm. Intergalactic planetary. <laughs> uh, yeah so it is just chris this week because uh like everyone else who went to atlanta uh ricky is also sick yep yep, yep. we had to tell him to uh go to sleep bless, <laughs> bless, bless, his, bless his heart for logging in but yeah. uh <laughs> john was immediately like oh you look like you're dying like you need to yeah. go to the hospital man <laughs> yeah you should uh really. take some shots. no he's good he's good yeah, the, yeah the, the, the white the white man's uh cure from south park <laughs> that's right a little seventh heaven you know? Yeah. you know chicken noodle soup seven up that's right that's right. right well uh i mean speaking of atlanta that's all we're gonna talk about this week so i mean a little bit we don't have ricky's uh firsthand experience but we still have a lot to go over a lot to talk about uh and then i think next week will probably be either unfortunately i had some family i had uh a death the family this week so um uh, things are okay right now but uh next week will be a little busier uh with preparations and things like that so and christmas uh, and christmas as well um so next week we're either gonna take a week off or it'll just be kind of a quick hey here are the the fun little crew three awards we're nominating card wise and then just the hey you've got some christmas money here's what we would go spend money on it'll Everything. just be so, me it'll, it'll just, just be, be chris. it'll just be chris on uh, christmas yeah, screaming chris, at the board. chris is gonna tell you to go invest in his new box break channels that's exactly right. That's I'm going to go over all about. the Twitter discourse for the last seven days. Oh, man. What is the new – is it uh, proxies now in tournaments? I think that's the new thing I right now. I'll be honest with you. I don't get it. I don't get involved. I, I watch just to like watch like I watch The Bachelor. But yeah. there's so much stuff where it's like are we not going to take a second and step back? You know, but yeah. no, because the whole point is that these are content. These are content people for Twitter, right? Yeah. So they're, they're doing their job. I don't blame anybody, but it's definitely one of those things where like you look at people getting, I just, I won't even go into it, but you look at people just being angry at other people. And, and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is what we do all day. You yeah. know, it, like, let's have a little sympathy. We'll have a little empathy. You know, yeah. I think Jerry T had a good point where like Jerry T's take on some of the stuff this course was like, Hey, listen, I don't know if this is cheating. When it comes to the the counterfeit cards, I'm just oh, not sure. Yeah. I should, I'm just uh-huh. not sure I should care. And I was like, "Whoa, what a totally human being take of like the, you know, like are you going to be the one who calls him out? You know, like yeah, uh, you know, I don't know, right? Like you can have your stances on it, but everybody, of course, was just like, if you yeah. think like this, you're an idiot. And then, of course, that was also hot at the heels of Island Ghost Sam getting death threats for making a joke about naming your deck the wrong thing in melee. Yeah, well, yeah, listen, you do anything on Twitter, you get a death threat. It's just how you know yeah, you've made true, it, you know? True, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well, uh, let's uh, – I mean, what do we got? I mean, geez, what was – uh, you know what, Chris? I, I no. want your opinion. We, we've we unfortunately missed where this is relevant. Um, actually, happened last week. I just forgot to bring it up. Sure. What do you think of the Shohei Otani deal? Oh, 700 millis, but it's all paid in uh, Chuck E. Cheese coins 10 <laughs> years from now? Yeah. Yeah, that is so that is, is. What is he getting paid now? Like ten milli? Like so? I, so I had to look at this because I was really just like, you have to be the worst agent of all time. To well, I saw it was like a, it was a weird tax in like team cap workaround, and I'm just right. like, how is it? A, the, what's the point of the team salary cap that if they could just be like, we're just going to pay you when you're not playing for us? And <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> certainly the Milwaukee Brewers got to be like, what the hell? Like, you know, what I'm like we're, we're paying, we're paying our teammates in pineapples, you know. And you, you pay this guy seven hundred million dollars in twenty years. What the heck? Uh, and, you know, the Mets are just like, why didn't we? <laughs> right, because nobody in the Mets organization has a brain cell. They just all share one brain cell, and they have to use and it to lot, and out. lots of money. That's right. That's exactly right. The mascot takes off his costume and then walks upstairs to the CFO's office and he starts running things. That's how the Mets organization runs. So uh, the the Otani deal started making sense to me because I was like, they have to put the money in escrow. Uh huh. So like he I was like, your money is going to be like because it's going to be put aside into an account for him. 
right? Okay, so so he has to go to his baseball daddy and get his trust fund later. Like, <laughs> well, I was just like, you're going to be losing money to inflation. Like, seven hundred million now is is going to be five dollars in twenty years, right? Yeah, so yeah. That's where, I, that's where I was just like, what are you doing to yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like, the Dodgers are going to tank the economy so that they don't owe Shohei Otani any money. You know, that's the next that's the next great business move. But uh, they, it looks like they're going to put it in some kind of investment thing for him, such that the the money actually keeps accumulating, so he's not okay. just losing money to inflation every single year but yeah the whole uh the deferred money thing it turns out some of it does go back to the cap so it's not just like he's a free player and they pay okay, yeah because you, know, you know the dodgers are just going to declare bankruptcy again in 10 years and be like oopsies <laughs> yeah, yeah no sorry buddy we don't uh, we don't owe you any money in here but uh yeah it, it's consistently the highest paid player on the worst teams ever yeah, well, now the problem is they're just going to go buy everybody, right? Like, yeah. now he's going to lure the other Japanese pitcher, like Yamamoto or something like that. Sure. I think that he's going to one of the New York teams, but um, if Shohei was doing a good recruiting job, you know. Can we get Mike Trout again? We just, he just brings Mike Trout. Oh, he just brings Mike Trout. <laughs> Mike Trout was in the suitcase. Like, <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. We snuck him in, you know. He's not that tall. It's possible, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, the Shohei Otani deal is uh, is very, very interesting. And I would love if somebody who had a better, better understanding of baseball and or accounting uh, told me more about it beyond my understanding. Yeah. So, thanks for other- asking. Any, so any, other fun, any other fun for stuff? It's like Bill Belichick getting fired. Um yeah, well, you know, Kevman, uh, we had a fun exchange with Kevman in the Discord where yeah. where like Kevman wasn't watching, but I was watching the Chargers game because it was on uh-huh. uh, it was on Thursday. I, night. I saw I saw this exchange. Yeah, yeah, it was it was on Prime, so you could watch it on Twitch, right? Uh-huh. And because of that, like I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, Kevman, surely watching. It's on Twitch, right? Everybody's gonna be watching this game. Uh-huh. And then of course they're down twenty-one to nothing in the first quarter, Ooh. forty-two to nothing at half. And I just, I just said, Kevin, I was like, buddy, I'm so sorry. He was like, I'm not even watching this. And I was like, never yeah. turn it on. You don't want to see it. Just, yeah. just go back to sleep or do whatever you're doing. And uh, I think he said, well, you know, if they're losing, that's great because then they, maybe they'll fire everybody. And I was like, you're going to be flipping thrilled then. <laughs> this is the most yeah. historic beating of all time. I, right? I'm getting like, what was it? Seattle, Denver flashbacks of the Super Bowl. Yeah, basically. But to be fair, Kevman was right. They literally got beat so bad that the next morning they just fired everybody. It was like that Angelina Jolie clip from um, Tomb Raider where like she has that oh, epic yeah. mansion and then the yeah. delivery guy comes the next morning and is like, what happened here? And she's like, I woke up and just hated everything. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the best clips of all, best clips of all time, uh, in my opinion, of a, of a movie. And that's how it was. They were yeah. just like. Bring out the Mr. Clean. With that game, right, you have to imagine. It was like, who earlier this year was it they just, like, walked up to the stands asking the audience what plays they should run next? Like, (laughs) but of course, this is in desperation, not in we're so ahead right now. Right, right. I think the Chargers organization either either tweeted or subtweeted somebody uh, some number of weeks ago that's like, hey, if you want a Chargers jersey, we need you to show up to the facility tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Start running place with this, please, uh, because it was so bad. So hopefully this is great news because, again, the Chargers have, you know, I didn't even realize Khalil Mack was on the Chargers. They have Justin Herbert. So that's going to be an attractive job. They're not just going to hire somebody, you know, some random defensive coordinator from the Rams again. They're going to get yeah. somebody good. The Chargers are going to be good next year. Kev Mann will be happy. Yeah. I this just it just reminds me of like who was it? Uh Kyle Brand who was just joking about how he beat his nine year old son one hundred to zero in Madden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's well, like, the- if, if you're gonna keep her on the same screen, I'm just gonna well, it came back that there's a famous coach who was like who was teaching his team about coordination and decided to use the 9-11 terrorist hijackers, an example of really good coordination. No, I have been like less miles like that. He had to apologize for it. He apologized again. He's like, I apologize then and I apologize now. Was that also it, this week? Well, so it came up again because the, okay. the they interviewed the people who were talking about it. It came up on somebody's podcast okay, and they were like, sure. it hundred percent happened. I was in the room when he said oh we need to be God. more coordinated like the nine 11 hijackers. Oh and everybody obviously was like, well, see, it's funny. Cause like as a 30 something year old, that's like not something that you joke about. 
Like yeah. the kids make fun of it. It's like a popular joke topic now. Sure. And I'm always just like, just like, just like if Mark Wahlberg was there, that wouldn't happen in the first place. You know, exactly right. Right. Like a lot of that stuff to me, like watching it live, watching, you know, documentaries on it, even in like high school and stuff like that. It's a big deal. So if yeah. anybody over 30 gives you the big eyes, that is why, you know, listen, I'm not going to tell you, you can't ever say something about it, you know, whatever. Right. That's, that's your choice. Yeah. People my age used to make fun of, you know, other tragedies is just like you know hey oh this is an offhand joke it's been so long right so yeah uh, if it's for some people but not for me not not going to be laughing at the uh 9-11 stuff anytime soon in like a serious way right like that guy doing it is like whoa you're a crazy dude you know but yeah i will say though was it that one movie is it remember me what's yeah. the the robert pattinson like drama film that just ends with the the real um rug pull twist ending is that as he's going to reconcile with his dad and like start over and rebuild his family again, he goes and visits his dad and we look at the date on the board of his like brother's classroom and it's September 11th and we zoom out and Robert Pattinson is in the World Trade Center in his dad's office. And that is the end of the movie. I mean, Batman? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyway, let's talk about magic cards. There we go. We, we did a, for enough. We did, we did a wild tangent, yep. All right, uh, let's talk about Magic cards. So we are just going to kind of, like I said, just cover DreamHack Atlanta. Um, I do have the results, uh, well, kind of the results of the 5K and 10K because they're melee events. Um, I don't know who quite won them, so yeah. Uh, I will say, man, I feel, I don't know if they've rolled it back forward again, but I do feel bad for Fire Shoes where over the weekend um, the, the MTGO team was like, We've pushed a new update. Um, results will now be posted in the correct top eight order. And we're also going to post every deck list from the challenges. And it's going to come out the same day. And then on Monday, um, oops, we post too much data. It broke everything. We have to roll back. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I did see the fire shoes celebration tweet. Yeah. And I feel so bad. That man was so happy. He found bliss when they were like, we're actually going to order these things and make fire shoes his job easier. Yeah. And then they were just like, you know, rug pulled. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So All right. There was, there was a surprise Pikachu if I've ever seen one. All right. So uh, let's look at, you want to talk about the top eight first? Or do you want to just talk about like meta overall? So, do you want to, let's go to the top eight first. That's, 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 the top eight. that's a little juice there. We'll do the top eight and then we'll go over the, um, like the meta breakdown of day one versus two and kind of the matchup matrix. We got a mm-hmm. lot of data. So we didn't hear. Uh, there was over 1300 players. So we weren't joking when we said this is going to be the biggest pioneer event. <laughs> That's a lot of people to catch COVID, you know? That's a lot of people to catch COVID for sure. Uh, and all of those four, I hope the Flesh Blood players made it out okay. Hopefully so. Yep. All right. So our top eight, which was, of course, full of drama and pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's it's diverse yet not at the same time, right? Because we have uh, four decks among the top eight, right? But every deck has... Um, th- two copies, right? Uh, th- sorry, Azura's Control only one copy, and then is it uh, Rakdos with three copies? Yeah, Rakdos with three copies, but slightly different builds of Rakdos. So, uh, going into our top eight, our bottom four, we have uh, you only have uh, we have James Manganese on Rakdos mid range, uh, then we have Robert Wagner Crankle on Amalia Combo. Then we have uh, Adam Brace. Sorry, I have the top eight order and then I have to go to another page for first names. So bear with me, please. Uh, Adam Brace on Amalia Combo. Then we have uh, Anna Wagner on Rakdos Midrange rounding out our bottom four. Then in the top four, we have Robert King on Is It Phoenix? who I believe was the big uh, undefeated heading into top eight, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. Then we have Paul Green on Rockers Midrange. And then our finals, we have Mark Stanton on Is It Phoenix? And then we have our winner, Daniel Weiser, on our lone Azorius Control build. Yeah. Obviously, right, Azorius Control takes it down big. We could talk about that first. We could talk about... Amalia kind of being the big deck for this weekend. I mean, I tell you what, though, I think all of these decks are big decks for this weekend, right? Um, yep. And we'll see that when we go 
look at the the meta breakdown, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think every deck here makes sense for why they're here. Um, Phoenix, I would say, was kind of seen as the best deck heading into this weekend. Um, I know Amalia Combo put up a lot of numbers. Uh, we saw just how resilient the deck can be, but clearly not resilient enough to make it out of the the first round of top eight. Uh, we just saw, I ca- I'm going to say I called it, how good Rakdos with Copter and Inti was. Very impactful performances there, right? But we also saw that regular Rakdos with Bankbuster that we've known and seen before, also still very good. And of course, when you have a format this dialed in as it, I feel like it kind of is right now, right? Like you knew what was going to be the best decks this weekend. And, well said. and I just feel like that when you, especially we know the best decks and a lot of decks are be playing a lot of two drops. Uh, Chris, what card gets a lot better when there's a lot of two drops running around? Hmm. Maybe something that locked those two drops down. Uh, yeah. And you know, you might've thought only temporarily, but turns out it's forever. It's forever. It's 25 life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Basically, you know, that's yeah. basically so, what goes there. So obviously, right, our big winner here is Dana Weiser with Azorius Control. Uh, our deck list here is Fort Fairy here of Dominaria for the Wandering Emperor. One Rewind. Mm-hmm. Uh, four Memory Deluge, two Absorb, two Juari Disruption, two March of Otherworldly Light, three Supreme Verdict, three Get Lost, four Make Disappear, three David's Veto, one Hollow Moonlight, four Owner of the Sea, four Shark Typhoon, four Temporary Lockdown. So obviously, right, um, we didn't talk about it last week, but Hollow Moonlight, definitely tech coming back. Not only good against Phoenix, but also Amalia combo. Um, so learned great. The Phoenix trigger isn't a May ability. <laughs> no, you ha- have, to, have to get those back. Yeah, yeah that is a wild one. I, I learned something new. Again, you know, all this time, been playing the birds, but you learned yeah. something that you cannot miss that one. Uh, not as relevant in this top eight, but get lost. Also very good. Once again, better than bitter triumph. Right. Probably uh, better. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I, I think when you when we talk about why control is so successful, obviously, uh, just watching the pilot, very comfortable with playing the deck, right? Uh, some might say very fast in how they resolve their spells, even. Um, yeah, fastest player on the list. Yeah, very, very on top of how they cast and resolve their spells. Uh, we're not going to really dive into that because the player is also given it, the other player is given a statement. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say besides that. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at this, like I said, right, we've got sweepers, we know what the big matches are going to be, so we're going to have some, a small amount of dedicated hate, and then, um, temporary lockdown is just such a house right now. It locks up everything in Amalia, it locks up, um, all of the non-Phoenix spells, cards in Phoenix, right? Like, it takes care of Legendary, it takes care of Picklock Prankster, it takes care of our pretty much everything that Convoke has except for the big guys, right? But when you lock up all the little guys, they can't really cast the big guys. And then we're also shutting down a lot of what um, Rakdos is bringing to the board now because, we're, again, we're we're on Inti, we're on Copter, we're on less three drops and above. So Lockdown just takes out so much of this format right now. Yeah, if you, if you look, the only deck that had a... Um, well, I, I'll say that one of the few decks that had a positive win rates against Azorius was Phoenix. And mm-hmm. I think that's why. Is I think that Azorius can tech to beat Phoenix more. But when you knew how big Amalia was going to be, obviously, I think you're teching more towards that matchup. And again, for one player, it didn't really matter anyway. Right? Yeah. So, you know, that being said, I think that controls a deck that you can tech a lot of different ways. I do think that as we saw, the player who did it really, really knew what they were doing. Right, and that's that's a big thing. I think a lot of players, um, we've said this time and time again with control this format. Um, the clock isn't very long. No, and yeah. you really need to be able to turn the corner when it's time to make a move. Right, we need to. You really need to focus in on essentially, lack of a better term, when you're the beatdown in that mat in that game. Right, right. Um, you need to know when I need to start pushing. Uh, my win con, right? Um, I really love the, the kind of the big joke on stream during the top eight was like, are we going to cast the shark typhoon? No, I'm just going to make this token that you can't beat and just hit you in the face with it, right? Like, yep. Turns out I can um, just make a, a five, five or six, six flyer now while drawing a card. And that's yeah. going to, that's going to carry me to victory. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take much. You, you definitely nailed it. You have to realize when you've turned the corner and, um, you know, push the pedal from there, right? Because yeah. the, 
player, the winning Azorius player, did take a draw in the Swiss against their quarterfinals uh, or semifinals opponent. Yeah. And that was kind of one of the the issues of tension for the uh, for the results of that. You know, one of the crazy things I'm seeing here is the some of the lopsided matchups that Enigmatic Incarnation has. Yes. If you're looking at this matchup spread, it is insane. There is actually a 90-10 with only 22 matches played, but that means you won approximately two of those 22 matches, mm-hmm. which is definitely significant to some extent, right? The Gruel Vehicles one is lower. It's 10%, but it's only 10 matches. So it's like that can happen right over over the course of 10 matches. But 22 is definitely a little more uh, a little more wild. So unfortunately, again, you have some really bad matchups as well. That's that's a deck that is really polarizing, it looks like. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like you said, I think that we knew Rakdos and Phoenix were going to be good because they were known quantities from the last metagame that that looked to still be strong in this one. And then everything else was a little bit of a risk. I don't know that you could really call Amalia a risk, given how it did well the previous week in the challenges. Yes. Um, Amalia was definitely Amalia. I would say Amalia and Phoenix definitely should have had the biggest targets on their backs heading into this weekend. Yeah, there's some decks I'm surprised didn't do worse. Um, but again, like the Convoke matchup against Amalia is crazy, and that's 92 matches played with a 20 percent win rate. So that's pretty crazy. Um, which uh, which race are you looking at? This is the Karsten one. That the Karsten one. Okay, cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, Convoke looked like it had some, you know, it's got some really good matchup spreads. It's got some good 70, 30, 60, 40s, but there's some real bad ones out there as well. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's one where it's it's matchup is so abysmal against Amalia. It it doesn't look like retroactively looking like that was a great pick for the tournament. Just yes. based on how miserable that matchup is. It looks like if you were gonna have a terrible matchup against a deck, the last deck you'd want it to be was probably uh would probably be Amalia with how many uh players came with that deck. Yeah. And as we saw, I mean, you know, um, we can talk about the Amalia builds right now. Um, the Amalia decks, I, I think, you know, um, we knew how resilient they were being able to not only just go find our combo out of the deck, right? Mm-hmm. But Return of the Ranks being the Wombo combo here, um, we're also a deck that can, you know, even though we lose a temporary lockdown, we can take care of it with a Haywire Might or a, a Besaju, right? Yep. Um, multiple tools the the deck can just combo you out of nowhere but we do the deck like we say in top eight like any other very creature combo deck that relies on multiple pieces we can just fumble and just drop the ball at the end there uh the other thing too is because our the combo isn't not determinative isn't the word like the combo itself doesn't end the game right like we need an extra piece in there to that we can kill with or we need amalia to live through a combat step and, and connect right yeah um, it, it's still a little loose i know a lot of players um out of the rc complained and we're just like you know um i hate this deck already right um but i i think the deck is one of those combo decks where again there's a lot of fail states in the deck still yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because just like overall, it feels like modern players like this metagame a lot. And mm-hmm. it's it's definitely not my favorite, but it, it does feel like like you said, the Amalia deck is so resilient as a creature deck, right? It can function as a creature deck. Obviously, it loves to you know to function as a combo deck, but because of its incidental life gain as a creature combo deck, it pushes a lot of other creature decks out of the format. Mm-hmm. You know, where it does feel like it's hard to, and again, if you're playing something that has a much better Azorius matchup, I think you could justify it potentially. Um, because if you can play around and get there, you know, your best Azorius players are, there's probably going to be a couple in your top eight, wherever that may be. But uh, well, they're, they're either in top eight or they're in the draw bracket. Oh, they're in the draw bracket, right? They, they drew themselves out of the match, but the better ones that can play fast, right? You're going to see a couple up there. So unless there's a reason to play something like that, I just don't see a big reason to be playing creature decks. You know, unless you find yeah. some way to go bigger when this deck gains so much life incidentally, it can just put five, five and seven, seven attackers on the board um, when not comboing. And then, of course, it's very easy for them to tutor up, collect a company or return from the graveyard their combo to kill mm-hmm. you. So definitely, like you said kind of earlier, one of the breakout decks, probably the breakout deck from the tournament, not only just, you know, hey, was this a good online performance for the week prior? It showed up with the RC for sure. 
I don't think there's yeah. any, any any denying that, right? The matchup spread looks really good. Um, these are pretty interesting win rates as far as yes. like how high the top three decks are. It definitely looks like there's three or four decks that you really should be playing. And unfortunately, the rest don't have a good enough matchup against one of those really, really popular decks, I think, for you to really consider it in a high-level tournament like this. Oh, I I think I might have made a mistake. Um, the DreamHack thing says that James Magnes is on Rakdos mid-range, but it looks like actually in uh, Melee, he's also on Azorius. That may make sense. I feel like there was a couple of two Azorius players. Yeah, I, I also thought it was like two, two, and two. So, um, yeah. but their their build is entirely different. I think they're they're not on Yorian, but they're also like three and three on the Typhoon. They're playing March. They're playing Mainboard Settle. Um, you know, I think well something else we didn't talk about with why Azorius is so big. Um, open deck list also really matters at these events. So, oh um, yeah, I think we have we have open deck list when you have a very targeted metagame no very known quantity metagame going into this um i think again that is a perfect scenario for um control to succeed so looking exactly at all right. the, yeah look at some I, of these I, other decks oh good no i was just gonna say i've thought seized a control opponent and just been like okay cool i win the game because the answers they kept weren't for my deck right obviously mm-hmm. the control deck the azores control is all about answers right sure. and you know, they didn't answer my particular deck because it was either counter spells and a removal or all removal and no counter spells. And I was just like, well, great. This is a, this is a free win for me. That's not going to happen with open deck lists. You're not going to catch your opponent just going, I'm going to keep no, um, you know, interactive spells for this particular matchup. They get to know what you're playing. And so they're going to keep whatever answers that they need um, with a mulligan or two in order to give themselves time to set up their over the top game plan. So, yeah, like you said, uh, open deck lists, big deal. When you're yeah. playing the control deck, right? Yeah, so I do want to talk about Paul Green's build of Azorius here, or not Azorius, of Rakdos mid-range here. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk on what we're going to call the different Rakdos shells, right? Um, so Ra- Paul's list here is four Blood Tithe Harvester, four Inti, Shedasol of the Sun, three Crocs of Titan Dust Hunger, four Field of Mirror Breaker, one Bone Crusher Giant, two Shields of the Apocalypse, two Graveyard Trespasser, four Thoughtseize, four Fatal Push, one Dress, one Towards the Tower, one go for the throw. Really, both playing go for the throw in this meta still. Uh, right. One, one bit of triumph, three smugglers, copter. So, um, obviously, this weekend we saw a lot, especially with, from Paul. Uh, we saw the power of copter plus Inti. Uh, definitely an interaction that, man, I tell you what, though. When I was high on Inti during spoiler season, I was not calling how good those stocks would be thanks to smugglers, copter, unban. Uh, but Inti's, Inti's stock went way, way up after that unban, right? Uh, I the think ones in the deck are insane. Like, I think we also, I mean, there's, you know, I, if you didn't notice, I said three Croxa and three this, Croxa. this deck is doing that. And we saw that on display. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a lot of the Swiss. I only got to watch the top eight. Right. Uh, but I mean, we were on full display here of just pitch by Croxa very early on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we, sometimes we didn't even cast the front side of Croxa. You know, oh, we, yeah. were just pitching, we were just, we were going to play it on turn four. You're just gonna yeah. you get to play it on turn four because your graveyard's full with yeah. with an NT and with a copter. <laughs> yeah, it's just three more. Graveyards yeah. so fast, like you're watching watching you see the coverage. They're like, okay, so the plan here is we're going to buy back Crocs, and the next one we're going to buy back another Crocs after attacking. Right, right, um, right, right. Uh, Oh, opponent killed that Crocs. So don't worry, we have enough for the other one still. Like right. it is, it's insane. You look like a Phoenix deck. You're like, wait, yeah. am I going to be sideboarding in graveyard hate for this? this Rakdos deck that's only playing as some Croxes that they could potentially cite out. Like it's really just one of those things where it, it makes you almost feel a little bit stupid as a Phoenix player watching it, where you're just going, wait a minute, this guy can just actually cast two drops in, in attack in, and isn't totally relying on the graveyard. Obviously Phoenix did really, really this weekend. It's a joke, right? But, but yeah. it just kind of makes you wonder like, wow, I don't have to be so reliant on the, on the graveyard. And, and maybe should you be, Right, mm-hmm. like that's not going to help you much here. You're still going to get emptied and 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 fabled and shielded and things like that. So we saw that the Azorius player in that matchup just didn't have the answers to deal with Copter into uh, Fable into multiple Croxes into Shieldred into Croxa yeah. again. Right? It was just it was just way too much. Like you're just throwing haymakers every single turn, and it really was impressive. Definitely the the Inti Copter version. Um, really revived Rakdos. Yes. And was definitely one of the better decks we play in this weekend. 
for sure. All right. Uh, I mean, do you want to, do you want to talk about the Amalia builds here? I mean, what do we, what do we got here? Um, one of them I think was playing Reservoir in the board. Yeah, we got Reservoir from Adam Brace. Uh, was Mr. Crankle also playing a Reservoir? Uh, yeah, they were. I mean, a Reservoir definitely is a, um, a big one that we're seeing the decks kind of move to. Uh, I need to pick up a copy myself now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Cause I've been loving this deck. I've been really excited to get out to locals here and finally play it. Uh, I got tired of waiting for, for return of the ranks to be a reasonable price. Uh, so I managed to find a decent, uh, non-foil place to replace later on, uh, when foils be available again, if they hopefully become available again at a decent price. Right. Sure. Um, I just couldn't wait anymore to, to put this deck together. We understand. I, mean, we understand. I, I think like, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Right. Um, watch this deck. I mean, it's amazing just because of something you don't think about when you're like, Oh yeah, I know this combo makes sense. Right. Is the power of the combo being built around the explore mechanic. Um, which means that while we are comboing off, while we're moving a Molly up the field, we can just find the best spell to help us next turn. Right. Right. Can our opponent turn the ranks on top? Post war, we can leave our Aether Flux Reservoir on top. That way, once we untap, we can just kill upon our next turn, right? Yep. Um, we can go put a cord to go find another combo piece. We can just put anything we want on top of the library uh, and just leave it there. Because uh, what's the opponent going to do? They, they not Nothing really in Pioneer stops you from drawing that card now. Yeah, not, not a lot of mill, right, running around yeah. to stop you from doing that. So, like, you know, the really, really also props to the players who did really well with Amalia because it's a new deck. So, like, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, there's a lot of really good Pioneer content creators and Magic content creators out there in general who spend a lot of time on a particular deck. And reading their insights into a sideboard guide really gives you one up. Because the big thing about, again, you know, playing a deck you're familiar with, right? We say it all the time. Knowledge is power in Magic. And the fewer things you really have to think about because you just have it either on notes or you just played the matchup enough to know what's important so you don't fight over the small stuff. You're starting from behind with the Malia combo. The deck's new. So you just mm-hmm. had to play a crap ton of that deck. There was no, oh, I can read a sideboard guide on yeah. Phoenix. I think it's well positioned and start off and start playing with that knowledge already in hand. Well, especially when these, these, these sideboards are just toolboxes in a lot of cases. Like, you really have to have a feeling of the format and know, like, these are what I'm looking to stop with my sideboard. I mean, if, if I look at, if I pull out my Amalia list, right, and I look at my sideboard I have prepared right now, you know, I'm looking at, like, two Haywire Mites, uh, Jarena, which I'm just going to replace Self the Spirit now because um, I think Self Spirit is a little better right now. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad to see like things like Shaper Sanctuary seeing a lot of play, but you know, uh, I I do kind of agree now that like we're, we're not seeing a lot of sack running around. Uh, I think Phoenix, we can uh, very clearly Amalia just kind of beats up on Phoenix, so um, I don't think we need the ley lines as much anymore. So you know, I yeah, I just there's a lot to go into these sideboards now. And it's just like, why are we playing Leyline? We can just go play a creature effect um, that can just, we can just two-rup with our Court of Calling. Yeah. Like your big thing there is you're really fighting through all the removal spells yes. uh, to try and get to your return of the ranks, which is harder mm-hmm. to stop, right? So like, you're really trying to do stuff like that. Um, you know, Voice of Resurgence we saw as a house. Yes. That's a big one where it's like, hey, you, you, if you tap out on your turn, then I can make this, you know, this Amalia gets big enough where you don't really have an answer to it. Your answer yeah. is a channel land that you hopefully find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't, you're dead, right? Like you better yeah. hope to find your one of because there's not much you can do. Obviously, some people are playing the um, petty theft and that can be one way, but obviously a lot of people are not. So um, like you said, there's there's a lot of interaction here. And you really need to start now. It's going to be about tuning those decks, right? Do you really need that scavenger goose? Do you really need what are these matchups about? Yeah, we're I think seeing we're going to like, start having better information on that going forward. We're seeing cards like Night of Dust Shadow for the mirror match. We're seeing things yep. like Deep Cavern Bat because guess what? We also got a better Kite Sail Freebooter in in Ixalan as well. So it, uh, now we can hit like anything with it. So yeah, I mean, it's the Amalia deck. I get it right, like it's annoying when it's a combo deck that is also good against creatures, right? Because when you're a combo deck, classically, we're losing the creature matchups, right? Like, we're going to get beat down too fast for you combo off. But now when our combo is just gaining life, um, that's really rough for the creature decks to beat. So yeah, it sure is. I, I, I get 
frustration with the deck list. Um, and it is kind of weird to think like, well, this deck's the best deck. For you, one, not the best deck, because I do think the format is actually a very decent rock, paper, scissors almost right now with what the top decks are. Um, and you have some other decks, kind of very outlying decks that can can see play right and can succeed. Um, it just sucks that one of them is a combo deck that also just has a good creature matchup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean that's the top eight here. Um, do you do you want to go back to the Frank Karsten uh, Matrix? Do we want to talk about just kind of let's talk conversion first, and then we can go to the the Matrix here and talk about some of the some of the shocking, more shocking things I think to kind of come out of here. Um, but I will, I'll link the event below. I'll also link the, the 10 K and the five K. There's some fun decklists to go look at. Uh, but just because of everything going on this week, I think we're just going to kind of keep things nice, simple, short, sweet. Everyone go have their, enjoy their Christmas holiday. Right. Yep. All right. So, uh, let's see here over on day one, our number one, arch- our number one archetype was Rakdos Midrange. Uh, of course, this is not really split up, so this is a lot of people playing traditional midrange, people playing the copter builds. Um, you know, I, I think that it makes sense. Rakdos Midrange is always the popular deck of a lot of people who don't just really don't play the format right. Uh, it's an easy deck to pick up and just kind of sling around. Uh, not a really easy deck to succeed on because there are there are choices right, but uh, now it gets to play some great pretty much every great card engine in the format now. You get Fable, you get the NT plus Copter combo. It just has so many tools, right? Yeah, it does. Um, is it Phoenix? Uh, a deck that I still think heading into this event was probably one of the best decks to be playing. Um, obviously, it's rough when one of your worst matchups is also one of the more popular matchups, but I think like against other decks, you still have a lot of game there, and so you're just losing that unfortunate match with the rock paper scissors uh amalia combo at our third place with 9.3 of the format um so again very popular especially for a brand new archetype right people just definitely had a lot of faith in the strength of this combo uh and then we have azorius control boros convoke uh lotus field lotus field again i, I think was another good solid pick for this event uh, unfortunately you don't have really ways to interact with amalia just like they also can't interact with you but they're just a turn faster right yep um, and then Rakdos, Rakdos Sacrifice, Grease Fang, Grixis Phoenix, Mono Humans, Gruel Vehicles, a bunch of other decks. I mean, still 30% of the field isn't even mentioned in these like distinct archetypes. So I think there are still a lot of people trying to do and try and find out, finding things out, trying things in Pioneer. But when we see some of the better players in the room picking up the strongest, most consistent decks, that's going to push a lot of things out, right? Uh, as we head into day two, of the meta, we see Amalia really put out. Uh, it's con- it really flipped the bur- flipped the list on the conversion. So Amalia uh, was fifteen, almost fifteen percent of the field. So Amalia converted the highest conversion in day two. Uh, we had Rackets Midrange go into second place, fourteen percent. Azorius Control on eleven point seven. Is it Phoenix on ten per- on eleven percent of the field? Uh, Boros Convoke, Rackets Sacrifice. So what was our what was our highest deck by just percentage of conversion here? Amalia. Best conversion because they one of the best was the best conversion, but not percentage of decks from day one. Are you sure? Because they went from ten percent to fourteen percent of the meta. Yeah, but they went from one hundred eighteen decks to forty four. Whereas Racto Sacrifice went from sixty one to four point eight. That's one six. I think Amalia. You might be still be right. It might still be Amalia. Amalia converted about a third of its field. Yeah, the only one you could. Maybe consider um, control. No, no, yeah, it's definitely Amalia, right? That's the that's the highest jump in percentage share um, of the field of the remaining people. Yeah, so Amalia was forty four over one one eight. So that's thirty seven percent of Amalia converted, whereas Rakdos converted one seventy eight over was it forty two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so Raptor's mid. Uh, so yeah, so Molly was our big conversion here, converting over thirty-seven percent of its, uh, of its meta of its player base into day two. So, uh, Molly definitely one of, if not the kind of deck of the weekend, I would say. Yeah, 
I think I think you know Phoenix still solid, right? Uh, converted mm-hmm. at about average, right? Of the percentage of, of them on day one, there was the same amount of they were the same percentage of the field on day two, approximately, mm-hmm. right? They increased by a small percentage, so you know you were rewarded for both good play and if you saw your Phoenixes for sure, right? Both yeah. of those things are are factors there, but yeah, the, the drop off is pretty is pretty huge from there to to convoke, right? Like, um, gosh, like convoke is probably one of the that's actually not the worst, but it's one of the worst converting decks yes. uh, to go down in percentage for sure. So unfortunately, we lost a lot of the Convoke players. I think that, again, that was a holdover uh, from people playing the deck before. I really don't know that you'd play that going Amalia's number one deck. But again, if you were comfortable with it, you could still just catch people, you know? Sure. But also, again, I think decks like that are a little worse in open deck list. You did go wide, and I do think that's better for you. Yeah, you know, it's hard to stop somebody from going wide in this metagame with a get lost versus like an Amalia combo. What was the highest rated? I'm trying to find the highest ranked Convoke play, player just to kind of see. Uh, it was Boris Heroic in 48th place. Oh, Boris Convoke, here it is. Uh, it looks like the highest, at least I've seen, is Joshua Floro on in 36th place was our highest ranked Boris Convoke player. That's not a PT invite, is it? Because it's only top 32. No, yeah, it's top 32. That sucks. That's rough, yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's look at, so obviously our, our winningest deck this weekend, though, Azorius Control, uh, using Frank Carson's nice little graphic here. Uh, thank you, Frank. Uh, we have, uh, thank you, Mr. Carson. I, 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 don't think I, can, I don't think I can call him Frank, you know. Thank you, Mr. Carson. It's simple. Thank Frank. You know what I'm saying? It rhymes, you know, to make a little Frank, graphic. Frank, thank Frank, Frank, you know? Frank the Tank over here. Uh, all right, uh, as control 59.6% win rating here. That's those are good numbers, right? That's huge. Uh, That's crazy. Let's, uh, let's why don't we ban temporary lockdown? Clearly, as our control is too good next week, you know? Uh, uh yeah, next week, enigmatic fires at 58.8% of the meta, uh, of sorry, of the meta of winning. Uh, right. Molly combo 56.7, Boris Heroic 52.3, is it Phoenix 51.1? Celestia Angels, uh, 50.8, and then uh, we kind of drop off there. Those are our above 50%. Uh, then we have Rex Midrange at 49.8, Cool Vehicles at 49.5, Quintorius Combat at 49.2, Sack at 49.1, and then we'll kind of just stop there. Um, so, yeah, so let's look at what what uh, what here stands out to you is kind of, I mean, again, besides that, um, Boros Convoke having a 19% win against the Malia Combo. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of talked about them before. I just think in general, right? Like I talked about some of the more extreme um, percentages. And so you, I really want to look at matches that had a lot, right? Like, you know, the top three decks were were kind of the most played by a good chunk, right? Sure. Twice as many people played well, as, as Raksak. Yeah, outside of like Enigmatic Fires. Right? Enigmatic Fires are our lower represented deck lists. It is the lower represented deck list, which again, you know, um, some of those matches, like you 50% winner against mono white with six matches played, you know, Hey, who, who knows, right. That's not that many, that's yeah. many matches, but you know, when you look at some of the higher ones, right. Over 50 matches, 150 matches played, hundred matches played, you get a better idea. So, mm-hmm. um, but it just in, incredible to me seeing things over 55%. That is wild. Like that's a demarcation where that many decks being played, given how many players that there were mm-hmm. seeing something over 55 is pretty crazy. Right, because there's 3,300 players in the room. A lot of those yeah. people, you know, things are going to average out. You're going to have better players, you're going to have worse players, whatever else. So that really shows the strength of the deck. Seeing, you know, several decks over 55 percent, and even Phoenix at 52 percent, given how that deck goes, uh, is yeah. pretty crazy to me. So, um, what was your thoughts on matchup spread? I, I pointed out some of the crazy ones, some of the sub tens. Anything to you that maybe was surprising? Or- um, I mean, I, honestly, I. It kind of makes sense to me, but I, I will say I'm a little shocked at how good the uh, Amali into Phoenix matchup is. Right. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about how much that deck can deal with um, with Copters, right? And especially with Amalia, a lot of their pieces start at two or three toughness, right? But the problem is with Phoenix, right? This totally makes sense that um, Phoenix is a great way to answer return of the ranks. Yeah, that's definitely um, big. And again, so and a- Tudor. You get to tutor sideboard hate, right? You get to tutor it with yeah. with with court of calling out of Amalia to at <laughs> least make your opponent take longer. And in the grindy matchup, you may think that 
drawing three cards in an ancestral recall is going to be the most powerful thing, but it's not. It's going to be a return yeah. of the ranks, getting back an entire graveyard's worth of stuff, right? That's a that's an eight for one. You know, you're drawing three cards is cute. I'm going to get back four or five creatures and win the game, right? Yeah. Um, the lack of counter magic against collected company, right? There's just there's just so much stuff. There's so much value out of the Amalia deck. You really can't outvalue the Phoenix player. So I'm with you, and that is a little bit surprising um, to me. But um, you know. <sighs> I look at this 84% win rate against mono humans and 80% against convoke. <laughs> it's just like, golly creature decks are just so dead into this deck. It feels like, you know, yeah, somebody right. to come up with something right. Like um, you've also got a good matchup against Grixis, Grixis Phoenix, which mm-hmm. with black gives you different tools. So, you know, again, you're, you're, it really takes dedicated removal or value engines to get you. I, I, I'm just really sad that I have to put the, the spirits away now again uh, because, um, I mean, number one, it also is a deck that uh, not as bad, but does have a, a rough uh, Amalia matchup. But just now that everyone gets to play a 3-3 flyer. Yep. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's not as free. It's not as free a tax in, right? Because that loots on a yeah. box, right? So yeah, that's the big deal. Real oh, vehicles man. showed up 400 matches and had a decent win rate. 47, yeah. I think, is, is pretty decent, right? Uh, 49.5 overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I think any deck over like 47, I would I would consider just outside of just normal variants, right? So, um, you know, I, I think really any of these decks that are like 49% and above, so. Like a Rakdos, Sacklist, and a Buff, I think are fine in the format. There's be variants to be top decks, right? Um, but I definitely probably wouldn't play like on the Carson list, like anything below the 48% mark, probably. Yeah. Um, I think your problem with Lotus Field is not like, yeah, you've got a good Phoenix matchup, and that's about it. That's about right? it right now, be right? Sack because you're you just don't play creatures. And that's true of a lot of creatureless decks against Sack, right? Obviously, yeah. Rakdos Sacrifice, way better against creature decks, way worse against non-creature decks. Other than that, you've got a bad Amalia matchup, not very good at all, right? 30% with 62 matches played or, or in that range, right? We're gonna, we, we, can, we can't stop the Amalia combo. We're getting run over by Convoke. Yep. Um, you know, we can kind of hang, hang with, with Control, and, like, that's, like, it. Yeah, you're close just because you also have a lot of counter magic, right? So, like, you're the combo deck, and so if we just go forever, and eventually you're going to have to tap your mana to find some way to win the game, and, you know, I may be able to combo through that. So, again, wise play can get you through there, but the really, you know, the NT lists, the copter lists Mm -hmm. that are valuing out with Croxa, they're taxing your hand too much. You've got terrible attrition there. So if I'm looking at winners and losers from the weekend, winners, Amalia combo, control, Phoenix Rakdos losers convoke Lotus field. If you were a person who was on vehicles, kind of vehicles. Yeah. It's because your good matchups weren't the most popular matchups. Right. Yeah. I, and I, and I do want to also, you know, shout outs to fires here. Uh, it was a lower end of the field, but it is very well, very strong. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it really preyed on having a good fires. Sorry. Good fire, a good Rakdos and a good Phoenix matchup. Not so great against Amalia combo, right? Um, and luckily, you know, thankfully, things like those other decks are keeping decks like Lotus Field and like Control down in a sense, uh-huh. right? Uh, so Enigmatic Fire is still very good into the Rakdos decks and still also apparently very solid into Amalia. Not as good, but still very good against Phoenix as well. Um, so definitely don't count the Fires decks out, even though they didn't top eight in the event. No, for sure. Yeah, I think, like you said, the the ab, the Amalia deck has a lot of tools to destroy your enchantments, mm-hmm. right? They can convoke them, Besejus, um, 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 knights, the green-white knight, right? There's probably cheaper ones yeah. than that. But yeah, you, again, you're not a creature deck, so you've got a really good matchup against Sack. Um, it looks like it's got a really good matchup against, you know, Rakdos, but that's not enough matches played for me to really be convinced, right? I, it's it's traditionally a good matchup against Rakdos because Rakdos can't really deal with enchantments, right? Sure. Um so, yeah, like all you need to do is Leyline Bindings for their big things, and then you just kind of get to go from there, right? Yeah, but that deck's a little lower to the ground. That's what surprises me, you know? But again, you can yeah. tutor up big creatures that they're hard to deal with and and tutor up, you know, Silver Bullets, right? If you need Grave Red Removal, sure. uh, if you need things like that, right? You can you can go get it. 
um, should you need to. So yeah, that's my kind of summary of the metagame there. Yeah. I think, that, I, think, yeah. I think it's very, I think it's very fair. I mean, you know, I don't think anything in this metagame is very surprising. Right. Uh, but I do think there is, we have a very clear um, top decks and I think we have a good like tier two underneath it. Right. And I think in those top decks, there's a pretty good rock, paper, scissors kind of going around. What would you, would you agree with me there? Or what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's right. Again, I, I honestly, like I am less of a fan of this metagame than before LCI came out. Right. I, sure. I really, I just really like the amount of decks that, um, felt like they could compete like it didn't feel like we had this kind of radical matchup spread but a lot of people like this style of metagame and i understand why right like the the format shifts is seems to be shifting a lot less often because these three decks are are very very strong right the top eight is definitely less diverse um than we've seen in past events but you know you know what you can be playing right there's really really strong decks that if you're new to pioneer you know what you should go be playing right sure. probably not control if you're a pioneer but it's a consideration um but you know rakdos copter stuff amalia you can try and learn phoenix phoenix another really hard deck to learn um and and again maybe one or two other decks that it could be kind of going but if you're really taking the format seriously those are definitely what you should be playing based on the amount of matches that we saw again i still think the format is underexplored there could be some new things to come out um, obviously Amalia has done a ton of the exploring recently, so who knows how much more there, who knows <laughs> Amalia, how much Amalia's explored for a lot of us. <laughs> Amalia's explored for a lot of us. So I don't know how much more exploring there is to do. Um, but you know, I'm pretty committed to pioneer, so I'm not uh, playing anything else, but I would, I would hope so being on the show for sure. But it is, it is one of those things that it has brought a lot of people, right? You've got spike, you've got a lot of the modern play saying, Hey, we like this version of the format. We like that, you know, there's really, really strong cards, really strong things to be doing. There's a best deck that we can play a ton of and learn the matchups. And I'm going to be playing less against like random jank that I have to, you know, worry about. So, um, a lot of people like the format. I'm a little, you know, and people that are several players that I really respect and used to hang out with that are now talking about, Oh man, I really love this format. Now I'm coming back to it, which I think is fantastic. Mm. I like it a little bit less, but I'm going to be playing anyway, right? I've already got Amalia sure. built or most of it built. So I'm going to be rocking that. I like what that does. I like that. It's got a, a good enigmatic, anything yeah. that's got a good matchup against ley line binding. Um, <laughs> everybody knows that I am ley line binding a phobic. I am not a fan of that card. I hate that card. And so anything that gives me the tools to beat that card, I am, I am going to play. And again, you know, still for your locals, there are so many decks. I saw, I saw warden of the inner sky and in a scales deck the other day. Ooh. And my little heart started fluttering. So there's still fun things you could do. The deck was really, really strong, even without scales. Cause warden was really strong. Um, so with botanical brawler, cause you just added a lot of counters around and that card became really strong. So there are some really cool things you can be doing again. That deck's probably not beating Amalia because it's a, it's a creature deck and yeah. you gain too much life. I think for that deck to be, to be there, but is it something fun? You can play at your locals. Absolutely. Right. There's still a ton of fun decks with all these new cards coming out. Right. Uh, pioneer is still really affected by standard. So when the next set comes out, there's probably going to be another new deck for you to try and play yeah. with and have fun. Well, you know, and it's wild to think about. I mean, Pioneer, uh, obviously not for us, right? We're still going to be looking at the challenges we're going to be doing everything like that. Uh, but for, I think, the, the the competitive players at large, Pioneer can be put on the shelf until, I think, April, right? So I think uh, standard RCQ season runs from January 6th through the middle to end of March, I believe is what it is. So um, Pioneer won't start until like April. So we are looking at for sure Karlov coming out by then. And when does Thunder Junction drop? Oh, Somebody text Ricky. He knows. Yeah. Ricky's got a tattooed on his chest. Yeah, he does. Uh, Outlaws of Thunder Junction are just says Q2 2024. So we don't have the exact date yet, but uh, probably in April. So, um, Outlaws will be coming out just around the time Pioneer Season gets going, right? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, we're going to have a new set, and we're going to have another set on the horizon as Pioneer Season gets going. So there's plenty of time to get in the tank, uh, go into the woods, go into the mountains, right? Find a tranquil spot by the seaside, and mm-hmm. just start brewing and finding it. You, we know what the targets of the format are. Now it's time to get in the lab and start attacking them. Yep. Yep. I mean, again, I think there's a couple decks that if you really love Pioneer, you could be sitting there going, wow, what what one piece are we missing? Because we're about to get one or two more sets before the RCQ season comes out if you want to look at competitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a couple decks that are close, right? We got some exciting things coming out, you know? So um, we, here's to seeing. 
You know, here's yeah. to seeing what's going to what's going to happen, because, you know, this was a huge shift to the format. So like you said, though, it might not be my favorite right now. The next set could introduce a slew of new decks or a new deck that that, again, changes the whole format on its head. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So let's wrap things up. I mean, I want to, of course, if we don't talk to you next week, I I most likely even if there's an episode next week, we'll not be on the episode next week. So um, I just want to say thank you to everyone for the wonderful 2023 as I posted over on Twitter. We had almost 85,000 downloads this year. Last week, we broke $200,000 in the podcast lifetime. This was the biggest year for Crew 3 yet. We had a great time with Extra Life. Uh, We've gone to so many events, right? And, you know, I just want to say thank you to Ricky, unfortunately being sick, couldn't be here. I want to thank you to my co-host, Chris. And I thank you to everyone at home for making Crew 3 the best this year. Um, I will be endeavoring in the next year to be bringing more and more content and keep improving our product, keep improving what we bring to you, uh, whether or not that's still pioneer focused. Well, the podcast will be pioneer focused, right? The question is like, will all of our videos be pioneer focused? Don't quite know yet, right? Um, I know I want to just stream fun things and fun games I enjoy. Maybe not always magic, right? Uh, But if you just enjoy for us, then I can tell you there's a lot more great stuff coming next year as we try to ramp up and keep producing uh, the show and have a bunch of other fun things for you. Uh, I know next year I won't be able to travel as much, uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing everyone wherever I can, right? And I'm looking forward to even standard season in a few weeks. I'm ready to go play RCQs again at locals and things like that. So um, I'm excited for next year. Next year's magic lineup looks insane and i'm excited for what we're going to be able to bring to the game as a whole as well yeah huge agree 2023 was definitely the year of crew three as i said at the beginning of the year you know and uh 2024 there's gonna be more oh 2023 crew three 2024 more crew three so there we there go. We go. Well, there we go. I, of course, this show is sponsored by one for a Twitter. Uh, Twitter. No, it's not. No, that's a lie. It's, it's definitely not. not. <laughs> the biggest lie ever told on this podcast. We don't have to do with Twitter or Reddit or <laughs> any of those things. Tell them who we are sponsored by, Rookman. Uh, we're sponsored also with Patreon. Patreon.com slash Crew3MTG. We have some great tiers available. Um, I, I do have to apologize. Um, I actually to post this in the Patreon channel. Um, I noticed no one was talking about getting the um, the November swag bags yet. So I went to where I usually drop off um, the mail, and um, they were just sitting in the mailbox. Apparently, that mailbox just isn't being checked anymore. Oh no! no. Wow! 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 Um, so the November swag bags. Um, we'll probably be waiting out. I'm going to wait to probably put them in the mail until, um, af- next week after Christmas, right? There um, you go. and hopefully by then also we had an issue where, um, turns out there were supply inventory issues with what I ordered for the December swag bags. So, uh, those will also be in the mail as soon as I get the last cards we're waiting on. Turns out, um, people might've purchased certain combo cards, uh, in, as getting ready for this last weekend. So, there's a hint of what's going to be in the swag bag for next month for for this month. So hopefully in January the swag bag deliveries will be back to normal. But um, yes, yeah, so that that unfortunately happened. But anyway, uh, besides that, we like I said, we have several awesome tiers available, uh, especially including the swag bags when uh, there aren't issues with the mail or the card show up on time. Right, good uh, advertisement, uh, Rockman. Really good advertisement. Yeah, I, hey, 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 hey! I try, I try. I send Ruckman, you cool stuff though. Rockman, g- give me a moment along with the with the people here, real quick. Okay, okay give, right, give me a moment okay. along with the people. All right, okay, listen, yeah, listen. If you if you love this podcast. The Patreon is for you and us to have a special connection, okay? A special connection that's just between us and you and not for you to receive necessarily cool cards. The cool cards are a bonus, all right? But do it because you'll do it for the love of the game. You know what I'm saying? If if you love this and you want to keep supporting us, that's why you do the Patreon. Uh, and, and so, you know, please forgive Ruckman in his, uh, in his lack of understanding what a mailbox is. Uh, and and please uh, please if you feel so so inclined go throw go chuck in a buck 
if you will, for for our Patreon to keep things going over here. All right, Markman, you can come back now. All right. Uh, of course, every tier of Patreon, though, gets access to special Patreon-only channels in the Discord where sometimes we go like, hey, we have some ideas. We need some stuff. We need to, we just need to, you know, we have some fun stuff going on. Um, but, of course, you always have access to, as well, the Patreon mailbag where you can ask questions with sounds something like this. This question comes from Fulgrim, who asks, are there any mechanics high on the storm scale that you'd like to see enter slash see more of in Pioneer? Uh, ex- examples being Storm, Dredge, Delve, Affinity, Buyback, Epic, and Transmute. No. None of them? Just a solid <laughs> no? <laughs> no? Just probably a flat out, uh, probably a flat out no. I think, you know, we've got Delve, and that's a, that's a pretty strong one. Uh, yeah. Because we're in, a pretty, we're in a pretty safe environment from Fetchlands. But um, there's no particular mechanic that that I can think of that I'm like, oh, that mechanic is like something. I, you know, yeah, I don't know about transmute, right? Like just being able to go like shift your cards to other things is pretty good. Um, but depending on what the cards are, buyback could be interesting. Mm, buyback could be interesting. Uh, give me champion when you bring Lorwyn back. Oh, yeah. In mechanic where you have to come in and swap out for another creature already in play. But then you can do cool shenanigans where like, you know, if that creature had a comes into play ability, sorry, an enters the battlefield ability. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what I was saying there. It comes into play. We haven't used that phrase in 10 years. Uh, if it's got a cool enters the battlefield ability, then you can keep, you know, pinging those back and forth potentially. So there's some cool mechanics. I don't think there's anything that's high on the, like I said, on the danger zone. That I'm like, oh, that could come back, right? Like we did flashback. Flashback was strong, and it's something that mm-hmm. I like. Right? There's a lot of mechanics that I think we did pretty well, and I'm interested to see some of the new versions. You know, yeah. we saw we saw fixed cascade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we saw how fixed that was. So I think, unfortunately, a lot of these, you know, we, we need to work our way up. You know, yeah, I, I do think though. Like, um, I think besides fixed cascade, I think a lot of retread abilities have been pretty good. You know, I like. I don't. I don't know how you retread storm, right? Um, but I would like to see like, you know, is retread storm just like a replicate type effect, right? Replicate like cross the storm, something like that. Right. Um, there are a lot of mechanics. I just think I would like to see, like, I think one of the mechanics I really like Mm -hmm. is the, um, oh, I forget what it's called. Is it reinforce? It's the mechanic from the 40 K commander decks. Okay. Where when you cast a creature, you could be is like multi kicker. Mm-hmm. And essentially you get like additional copies of that creature as a token. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested in um oh man, I just for forgot what it was as we were going over the because yours was yours was so cool. Um I, I think the difference really in my thought is like the power level thing. Sure. There's definitely some mechanics that like you know, I'm okay with seeing around. We don't have that many changelings, but that may be a, you know, a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else? Oh, uh, energy. Energy is a mechanic that I'd be interested in seeing come back. I like Kaladesh a lot, like improvise. I think it's yeah. kind of a fixed affinity that I think is pretty good. So like, I mm-hmm. think a lot of the mechanics that, that kind of, you know, higher up on that storm scales is, is it was put are a little too dangerous, but some of the fixed ones I get seeing come back. Like I'd love to see a little more improvise. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see, they tried that with the halo hopper, right? And it didn't do too yeah. much. It, you could, you could play that card. Um, but energy is one that I thought was pretty interesting, right? Like here's an ethereal resource pool that you can use for different things. Sure. So, um, I although I look, I'm gonna be honest. I do. I think more epic spells would be kind of fun. Epic! Wow. Yeah, there's a huge one, right? Enduring yeah. ideal, one of my one of my favorite cards. Yeah. Uh, in magic lore. So. All right. Well, thank you for the question, Fulgrim. And the mailbag's running empty, so uh, be sure to get in all of your fun mailbag questions post holiday season, right? Um, but that will that will do it. Thank you again to our wonderful Patreon.com slash Crew3MTG. Uh, and starting hopefully soon, we might have some more additional ways to support the show. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a response back just quite yet. Uh, but I'm hoping here soon that we'll have additional ways to support the show if you can't directly support us over on Patreon, right? But even mm-hmm. just sharing our show out with your friends uh, who are interested in Pine, interested in Magic in general, right? Uh, or just love to hear just a bunch of idiots talk about things that they care about, uh, like sport, like dumb sports things for like 10 minutes. Uh, right. share, share the show. Sharing the show does a lot for us, right? If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you do all the, the like, click, subscribe, hit the bell. I, I'm bad at YouTube. I'm, I'm learning YouTube right now. Whatever you do, smash that like button. That's what I know. Smash that like button, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, hit the downvote button even. Don't, please don't. That'll hurt don't, my feelings. Don't do that, yeah. But, uh, you know, the algorithm just wants to see movement and interaction, right? That's all the algorithm cares about. That's exactly um, right. Anyway, so thank you once again for the wonderful year. Uh, Chris, where can people find you on the socials? Hey, if you want to find me on the old tweeters, you can find me at x.com slash it's underscore Christmas and Christmas has no T. And of course you can find me at crew three podcast over on Twitter. And then of course, over on our YouTube channel, crew three MTG and our Twitch crew three MTG. Like I said, uh, starting next month, we're going to start doing a Sunday stream for me uh, when he's not sick. Ricky streams Wednesday evenings. And then of course we're going to start more YouTube uploads, which will be debuting early over on our Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash crew three MTG where they make their way over to the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, like I said, next week may or may not be a show just because of Christmas and everything else going on. Uh, but if there is, you will see it in your inbox. If not, everyone have a wonderful Christmas. I will see you all in the new year. Bye. Bye.